Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast, where we help restaurant patrons enjoy their experience by giving them a look behind the industry curtain. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. If you know the rules of the game, then you'll stay. And if you don't, then you'll be a pawn while they play. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast. And on today's episode, we talk to Barbara Mignon. That's how you say it, right? That's it. All right, perfect. And we talk about restaurant and food safety, as well as serving alcohol responsibly. So, Barbara, we met. I was working at a place on the beach, and every three months or so, we're we're required to do meetings regarding alcohol, serving alcohol responsibly, and also every what for the food every year for so for food safety that's every three years okay um and for the alcohol it is three times a year so it's every four months right for a quick alcohol update um and that's just to keep you in compliance with the program yes okay so not talking too much about the program i was uh you know relaxing at the meeting and you know, like you always do because it's a, you know, you're responsible for going and it's a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And, you know, I, I hear you presenting and a light bulb went off. And uh, at the time, I was just starting out in the podcast and it took us a couple of times to connect because um, you had a few things going on mm-hmm. and uh, we had to reschedule a couple of times. But I'm glad you're here. Me too. Me awesome. Too. Thank you. <laughs> so, um that's how we met. So starting off with food safety, most people associate food safety with the kitchen, but I'm particularly interested in the area of the front of the house. So what areas do you think that people should pay most attention to as servers? I think as servers, um, personal hygiene is extremely important. (laughs) Um, And I don't mean just take a shower. I mean, wash those hands. And being someone who was in the industry for so many years, I did about 15 years. I did my time. um, I know personally that I was a big non-hand washer. Okay. Um, And and, and knowing now what I know, I look back and think I can't believe I wasn't sick more often. 
Uh, so washing your hands is number one. Washing your hands every half hour. My God, that sounds like crazy every half hour. But it really has been proven that it reduces bacteria. It keeps you healthier. It keeps your guests healthier. Okay. Um, but it's one of the most important things. So that type of hygiene, hand washing, and even dirty clothes. Being dirty. Don't, you know, take a shower before you come to work. <laughs> there are people who straight up don't shower. And if you've been in the industry long enough, you have met them. <laughs> yes. I was not expecting that answer. I was thinking using ice scoops and, and tongs and things like that, yes. which are important. Yeah. Personal hygiene. <laughs> I have my shocked face on. <laughs> well, hand washing is part of that personal hygiene. And because it wasn't your first go-to, it's just an example of how we don't think that that is, that is probably the first line of defense. Yes, you need ice scoops. Yes, there's a million other aspects. But I find hand washing to be the most, oh, yeah, of course we have to wash our hands. But how often do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I do personally. I'm a hand washer. And the reason why I am surprised is because people think I'm nuts. So myself and Danny included, we wash our hands often. But not only that. We're known as the guys that we will wash a tray and then keep it for the rest of the day. And someone come along, hey, can I borrow your tray? And we're looking at them like, you know, asking for a firstborn. I'm like, no, uh, I'm kind of attached to the tray and I have to explain why. And yeah, I don't let anybody else handle my tray. So you guys are the oddities, yes. right? Yeah, because like they look at us like you're, you're crazy. Right, but if you pay close attention, most of them watch watch people at work. Sometimes those hands are getting wiped on that apron. But True. it's that little thing. This is that first thing. What do we use all day long? Our hands. True. So you got those filthy hands and you're touching that ice scoop. Like, <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So can you tell us a little about uh, little known safety rules? One for the front of the house, maybe one for the back of the house. Like That's kind of not well you know, received. Like I didn't really think about the the personal hygiene thing right what okay. would, what, what other one that would surprise people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i don't know I, I think hand washing is definitely number one front of the house what could it be um the apron was one that really threw me off but that's part of it I, in the industry i usually i use the apron to dry my hands that sounds crazy but the apron was that go-to it was a black apron mm -hmm. if it was dirty what do i use right a little coffee or hot water wipe it off and it's clean and actually our our apron is not supposed to be used for anything right you put it on you take it off before you go to the bathroom which a lot of people don't know that take it off before <laughs> you i've seen it a lot of people don't <laughs> Take it off before you go into that bathroom, do your business, put it back on, and never wipe anything on it. It's just there as a barrier. Okay. Um, okay. I think that's a little bit unknown. Uh, uh, to me, too. Because yeah. uh, I'm the guy that... Uh, ooh. I used to... I would hang it over the door of the bathroom stall. Like I didn't think twice about it. Um, but I think that's lack of education. Uh, back of the house, it's interesting. I, it's unknown if you haven't been given a violation for it <laughs> okay let's hear it um so there's different things so for anybody who works in the kitchen using tongs right it's mm -hmm. it's you use them all the time and i lived with a chef and i i understand that how easy it is to grab those tongs and put them on the door handle of your oven it's just what you do in a commercial kitchen and uh you can't do that that's just it's not it's not a clean area they're supposed to be kept next to 
their cooking station in hot water. So when they're done with those tongs, they should be put in there and then used. They, they consider that to be more sanitary than just hanging them on the door. So that's a big violation. Okay. And I see that all the time. Yeah. So keeping up with surprises, <laughs> you've worked in the restaurant business for a long time. Mm-hmm. What has surprised you most while working in the restaurant business? Just outside of what you have done now as far as speaking on these topics, like just your personal experience. Are you talking guests? Are you talking servers? Are you talking management? <laughs> it, it's really up to you because, uh, I mean, okay, for, for like when you go out to, to eat, you have a different lens. So I'm curious true. to know what you stay away from mm. <laughs> also. Um, for me, it's bar fruit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no I, lemon, please. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a water, a Diet Coke, and uh, no lemon? I specify the no lemon rule. Um, that's a big one. But I don't, I don't know what I stay away from. I know the things that I look for, the things that are super important to me. Um, cause I just went out yesterday for lunch at a chain place that I think nothing about. And my server was superb. And what made her superb was her attention. Okay. Her, I give a crap kind of, you know, it was like, listen, you know, I'm here with my mom and she just had something done in her tooth and she just started to suggest, Oh, we can do the scrambled eggs and we can, you know, make sure it's soft. And she's giving me these great suggestions. She came back to that two bite check back, you know, after you, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. After you eat something, um, they come right back to bites and they come and check on you. So she made my experience at this place that I don't think much of. She kind of made it very special to me. Nice. So I'm looking for someone who cares. And I'm I'm like hypersensitive to it because I used to pride myself on on caring. Like okay. I watch my table. Oh, their drink is half empty. Let me run and see if they want it or refill it for them. I just, I mean, that's that's what I look for when I go out. I want excellent service and I want honesty. Like if I say, hey, you know, I want to try something new. What do you suggest? Or what's the best thing on the menu? And someone's like really excited to steer me in, in their direction. And it's good. I'm psyched. Yeah. You know? So that even... You know, more than the place, more than the food, it's really that's the experience that I want to pay for, that I am paying for. So Nice. Uh, and I know this is a random question, Uh-oh. but I know you have dealt with this before. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen often, but you wait on a person or people and they ask you for a cup of hot water and you turn around and they're dunking their silverware in the water. Has that ever happened to you? Um. Okay, so <laughs> let's <laughs> let's just I'll, I'll I'll make it from my point of okay. view. Okay. So every time that's happened, it's happened to me a handful of times wow. that they're soaking it in the hot water, and I'm assuming that they think that they're sterilizing the right. the. Uh, tell us why that doesn't work. Well, because first of all, the the temperature is not high enough. Um, you know, that water out of that coffee maker that, you know, that hot boiling water is not really at the temperature that's going to kill any of that bacteria on it. Um, also chemicals we use, I mean, there's two ways to sanitize. The whole cleaning process starts where you clean something and then you sanitize it. Mm-hmm. So sanitizing is either very, very high heat, um, which putting me on the spot, I can't recall how high that heat is right now, but I'm thinking it's like 175, 185, somewhere within that range. Um, it may be higher, so don't quote me on that, but very, very high heat or chemicals. Yeah. So we need one or the other. 
Um, that water is not hot enough to do much and there are no chemicals. So I think people just do it to make themselves feel better. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally think it has the opposite effect because that's more of like, you know, bacteria breeding temperature. It's really not bacteria killing temperature. The bacteria kind of like, hey, bubble bath. <laughs> I agree. I Hot agree. Tub. Thanks for the shower. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really kind of pointless. I haven't experienced that, which is kind of interesting. But what do you I'm do surprised. in that situation? I you walk away and roll your eyes, and and that's it. You don't say anything because you don't, you don't offer wanna... to to like, hey, can I get you some clean silverware? You don't. No, it's not the fact that the silverware is not is perceived to be you know like visually dirty. I it's see. that they come in with the preconceived notion that I'm going to do this because this is going to help. Oh. I've even had people ask me for, for to-go silverware. Uh, I know that. And uh, I don't know, but environmentally and, and, and physically, I, I would not eat from plastic. I get it. You know, so uh, that's another curious thing for me. Yeah. But a lot of the times, you know, I, I can see why people do that. Dish, uh, the dish machine sometimes, the levels are not hot enough. Um, and the dishwasher doesn't notice or the staff doesn't notice. So there could really be a whole shift going on where the temperatures are not high enough to kill that bacteria to a safe level. Or maybe the chemicals, there's not that right balance in there, so there's not enough. So I can kind of see, you know, I've become crazy now that I teach, <laughs> but I can kind of see why somebody would want to do yeah, that. Yeah, at that point, bring your own silverware. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Pull it out of your bag. It's not any less crazy. Oh, my gosh. Talk about crazy. I had a lady pull a baked potato out of her bag once. <laughs> she asked me for a plate. <laughs> was it cooked? It was cooked. <laughs> I've never – every time something surprises me to high heaven, I, I just like, oh, this is why I do this because, oh. uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I know you're not a health inspector, but what do you suppose is a, the dirtiest part of a restaurant? Mm. Is it the menus? Well, those are nasty. Um, but it's the – I mean, it's our job. It's the Usually it's the hostess's job to wipe mm -hmm. them down. I think they get dirty often. There's like secret hiding areas. Uh, kitchen. Prep table. Yeah, they wipe the top, but what about underneath? What happens mm. when something spills and splatters upward? Oh, my gosh. You're getting diabolical. Well, I mean, you asked me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dirtiest. If nobody ever bends over and looks under that table. Nobody's ever going to do that. Right. Um, there are certain corners and crevices in kitchens where sometimes in inspectors will grab a flashlight, get on their knees, and check. Like, oh. look under something. Look in corners because people don't go there. But something can fester and grow into some True. nasty thing there um, over a period of time. So, have you ever read that article about the the owner of the China buffet uh, dumpster diving after a food inspector left? Mm. <laughs> it was in Florida. I forget the name <laughs> of the city. I read this thing and my mouth was agape because um, apparently they had you know hidden these you know things from the the food inspector and threw them in the dumpster what things I like bad shrimp i guess oh, I don't food. Know. Okay. yeah food and he went to retrieve them and somebody caught him on camera <laughs> um sold them out to the news oh my god yeah well you know the, the people don't it's kind of weird being on both sides of it uh, and working closely with owners 
and understanding their point of view of food cost and stuff like that. But on this side of things, it's like you're putting people lives at risk. Yeah. And that is really why the training is so important. That's why, I mean, in all my years, it sounds crazy, but in all my 15 years, I never had a food safety course ever. I mean, it was mm. just like on a wing. I, I look now, I look back now and think, oh my God, I could have killed a thousand people. Yeah. I mean, I did some crazy things. So um, this training is super duper important, but I can see where that's a big deal. But I mean, t temperatures, um, temperatures of food and all that stuff. I Listen, I'm glad they got caught. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so let's shift uh, to a focus to serving alcohol responsibly. Okay. And that's another part of your expertise. And I'm guessing that food safety is consistent. Well, I would imagine, you know, from state to state or even country, you, you probably should cook chicken all the way anywhere you go. Yeah, but there's different, believe it or not, there are different requirements depending on where you go. And even though food, I know we're moving on to alcohol, but even though food is, um, like if we take the food manager certification, that's across the nation, there are certain cities, I mean, certain states that will have exceptions and other countries have different ideas as to what fully cooked chicken is. Is it 165 degrees Fahrenheit? Mm -hmm. They may have a different uh, belief system or understanding of it. Sorry. Okay, I'm cooking my chicken. <laughs> As you should. And, uh, okay, so on the alcohol side, you know, there are some surprises there too um, from state to state. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, I've learned through you that, uh, you know, the expectation from some people is that if the parents are with the uh, minor, that they can drink. Right. And, uh, you know, what are... What do you find as you're teaching that people are most surprised by on the alcohol side? I think that just like you said, that there are like there are exceptions. We're talking about the minors being able to drink uh, with their parents around. Um, so I think servers, for the most part, are unaware unless they're from one of those states. And there's not a lot. I, and, and, and don't quote me. I want to say Texas. Um, I, there may be another state, but there they follow the same guidelines as us as far as you know, having to be um, 21 and over to have an alcoholic beverage. But in the state of Texas, and anybody can tell me if I'm wrong, but in the state of Texas, if you are at least 18 and you can prove that you are with your parents this evening, you can drink alcohol. And, and that is shocking. Yes, it shocks very. a lot of people. That's, <laughs> I mean, I use that all the time to get people to wake up, but it's a shocker. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And then somebody will raise their hand and go, go, yeah, I'm from that state. I had that recently. Hey, I'm from that state. And you do need to stay in <laughs> within close proximity of your parents. And I'm just like, that's really weird. I don't I don't want to go drinking, but um, <laughs> but uh, that's yep. surprising. Like some states uh, don't allow happy hour. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, I think. Utah, Massachusetts, something like that. There are a couple of states that don't allow uh, um, happy hour. It's it's so varied. I, I thought that um, it would be one thing. It would make know, sense. But it's not. It's not. Yeah. People create their own exceptions and then people choose to follow or not follow the law. True. It's, you know, so. And you often tell stories uh, to convey you know, a point that you're trying to make in, in one of the classes, you know, an example of this and that. 
What's one of the more tragic stories? Mm-hmm. Or you can go funny. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your face change with all the No, no, no. I, I, I can do tragic. Um, I just try to keep it light sometimes. But there are tragic stories, and a lot of them uh, are DUI-related usually. And mm-hmm. usually really young individuals where it becomes really heartbreaking. So we're trying to, if I'm trying to bring a point home about, hey, guys, don't drink and drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what you think you can do, right? Don't drink and drive. So I think one of the saddest DUI stories um, that we have is of a 20, I believe she was 26 years old, and she was in medical school. Great kid, right? Uh, she decided to go out drinking one night with a couple of friends, and I believe they went to three different establishments. She, What they're stating is that she drank gin and tonics, and she had seven all night. So she went to different places. Okay. Now, seven gin and tonics can be pretty potent depending on the bartender, right? So mm-hmm. if you got a heavy hand, you're going to get someone really intoxicated. And I also tell people, think about, she's 26. So think about, did she eat? Because girls don't like to eat before they drink because they don't want to ruin that buzz. So I'm just trying to, I'm throwing it out there. How did she get so intoxicated? But um, after they go to those three places, allegedly it was about seven really strong gin and tonics. She's on uh, Washington Ave in Miami Beach. She's going to make a U-turn. She's so intoxicated that as she makes that U-turn, she gets onto the sidewalk, misses a cab, but hits the two passengers that are about to enter the vehicle. Um, in doing that, she killed one instantly. Ooh. Yeah. And the second one was very, very injured. He had a massive brain injury. Um, he was a very, very athletic man and he could barely walk on, on a hard concrete floor longer than half an hour without being in excruciating pain. Um, so she kind of ruined his life. And these, these men were in their early forties, young individuals. Um, worst part about it, because she was so inebriated, it was a hit and run. So she hits him and takes off. Um, You know, I always say, yes, she had repercussions. She went to jail. But honestly, I think worse than jail is living with the fact that you actually killed an individual and you took one's life technically away. I mean, he's never going to be himself again. This brain injury is permanent. And um, so I think that's really heartbreaking. And when I tell that story, people are kind of shocked. Yeah. Um, And it's heartbreaking because she had a future and she was in medical school. And it's not that she was a bad kid. It wasn't, you know, it was just that get sometimes we get intoxicated enough you just make very poor decisions yeah you know so i don't you know it's heartbreaking that's heartbreaking to me and i try to bring a point home i mean i don't try to tell sad stories um (laughs) but it's like guys open your eyes you know we hear stories like this all the time even within the industry um there was a real sad story of a bartender who decided to get wasted one night and at 6 a.m on her drive home she hits a chef who's walking on his way to work Hits him and kills him instantly. He was a young man. He was a father of two. He was married. And she took his life because she was so inebriated. So um, I bring those home because I've experienced, and again, I don't want to like stereotype the industry, but in the restaurant industry, we're partiers. I mean, it just comes with the lifestyle. I'm not saying everybody is, but um, people tend to drink a lot and party and have a good time and sometimes... We go a bit far. So I just try to bring it home to the industry as well and be like, guys, you got to be safe. You know, Um, don't think you can get in that car. I don't care if you think you sobered up for an hour, man. Call an Uber. Get another, you know, find another way home, but don't risk it. Yeah, for me, it's uh, having the plan beforehand because you don't, I'm not going to really make the right decision once 
I've been drinking. Right. So I try to have a plan before that. It's brilliant. But you're not 22, are you? No. <laughs> let's let's move on. <laughs> oh, you want to be 22? <laughs> I don't want to be 22 either. Again. <laughs> and okay, so um, surrounding alcohol consumption, there are per, uh, pervasive myths as well. Um, what are your opinions on some of the myths? Like for me, it's, uh, oh, get some coffee and that'll sober you <laughs> up or, you know, get some, eat some bread and that'll right. soak it up and yeah. things like that. I it's, hear it all the time. It's just a math problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, right. It's a math problem because you need time. Yeah. You don't need to put more things in you. <laughs> like we always tell a joke of, um, yeah, give coffee to a drunk. What do you get? A wired drunk. Like, cause now he's drunk and wide awake. Like who wants that? Um, it's all time. Your body's got to process it. Your liver's got to get through it. Um, and it takes about, and I think it's surprising a lot of people, it takes about an hour for your body to eliminate and, and to process that one drink. And what's that one drink? That's that one thing that everybody gets confused about. What's that one drink? It's a four ounce glass of wine. It's a 12 ounce beer. And it's the hard liquor where we have a problem, right? Cause it's about an ounce to an ounce and a half of hardcore liquor. And that's why I say it's depending on your bartender. I was a heavy-handed bartender, mm -hmm. right? You have one drink of mine. Mm, it's going to take you about three hours to sober <laughs> up. Um, so, yeah, I think that that uh, that people aren't aware of that. And there are a lot of myths also, like if you're bigger, you can hold more liquor. That's mm, a big one. You know, it, it, it is true that we say that the, the heavier a person is, the more... Uh, that they can consume but that's crap because i am a large woman and i am a lightweight like you give me a drink or two and i'm done i'm like Ooh, i'm done um so even though there's some truth to that um every individual is different and so you got to take everybody as an individual and not as a don't look at don't look at the big idea of what you know look at the person as an individual i'm curious about tolerance now um I mean, tolerance is a real thing, but when does it start to bleed into myth with their capabilities while having a high tolerance? Wait, ask me that again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, uh, there's no doubt that, uh, to me, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I would be, I'm saying that tolerance is a real thing. Tolerance to alcohol after you've, you know, you've experienced, uh, you're a seasoned drinker, right. you have a high tolerance. But then after a while, I'd say that... It can blend to alcoholism, maybe? <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, it can blend. Like the, the, the thought that you can do more than what others can do while having a high tolerance is, it's is a myth. It's an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion because even though you feel 100%, if you blow, you're going to be the same as everybody else. You may have a better... You may feel that you're more in control because you can tolerate it. But still, that amount of alcohol in your system is going to read if you're in a breathalyzer. When you blow into that breathalyzer, those levels are not going to be any less because you feel like you're in control. Yeah. Right? You have those five drinks, you're probably going to pass that limit. So I always tell people, like, it's not what you feel like. Yeah. Right? It's really how it reads on the breathalyzer. Um, but, you know, it's funny because tolerance, one of the things that we do teach is that we need to look out for very high tolerance. Because let's be real, very high tolerance can be two things. If you're an alcoholic, and, I, and, and I'm not trying to make light of alcoholism, but I always say, if you're an alcoholic, you build to that, right? You don't get wasted one night, wake up the next morning and go, oh, I'm an alcoholic, right? It's like, I, it's horrible, but I compare it to working out. 
Like you don't you work out tonight and tomorrow you wake up and you're buff. True. So you work your way to that. And that's how you get to alcoholism. It's that level of tolerance. You keep pushing it and pushing it. You're, it's eventually going to increase. So high tolerance could be, not always, but it could be a sign that there is a problem and, and that they could be an alcoholic. High tolerance can also be drug use. Okay. True, true. Okay. You have somebody that drinks like <laughs> ten shots of tequila, as an example, and they're stone sober a few hours later. You're like, Mm-mm, why? Why <laughs> yes. are you sober? I'm <laughs> stirring the Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let's move on with, uh, given the age of uh, the right to vote, uh, the right to bear arms, and etc. What is your opinion on the drinking age, considering that other countries, a lot of countries, it's lower? Like, I, I think most of the countries are from 18 to 19, they have that drinking age. Right. And fun fact, I was born in Antigua. Oh. And that has the lowest drinking age. Legally. Legal drinking age. Legally, what is Legal, it? Legal, oh. Yeah, take a guess. It's a range, 16. actually. Oh, there's a range? Yeah. That, okay, it's Antigua and Central African Republic. It's between 10 and 15 years oh old. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're the only two me. countries. They're the, there are the, yeah. And what are their stats on alcoholism? Just curious. I, 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 I have to look that up Sorry, for you. Sorry, I put you on the spot. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. I, I mean... Uh, it's 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 mind blowing. That is mind blowing. Yeah, but most countries it's it's between it's 18. eighteen and nineteen, and we're on the higher end with you know. Because well, we're the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of opinions. Yeah, but um, you can shoot guns. That's <laughs> true. I agree, and I hear that all the time. Like, oh, we can die for our country, but we can't have a beer. Um, I get it. I, you know, I, I hear the gripe. I, I find that there are statistics that in other places where the age is 18, there is less of an, of, of an alcohol problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I find that when things are more taboo, uh, there seems to be a bigger issue. Like, you know, in the United States, sex used to be very hush-hush. It still is very hush-hush. We don't want to talk about it. But in other countries, it's open and, it's, and we have less of a problem, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak. Um, but, but, uh, and although I may not agree with the 21 or the 18, you know, going from a, going in a whole different direction, you know, what I'm, what I'm majoring in, in school, we study the brain a lot. And one of the things that we've learned about the brain is the brain does not really fully develop until you're about 24 years old. Interesting. So I think to myself, and we're talking executive function, we're talking about all these important things, um, that we require in life to be a functional uh, and successful adult, if you will. And um, I just think to myself, my God, you said 10 to 15. And I'm like, these children are still developing. Some of them haven't even hit adolescence. So I just think of brain development at that point. And so as much as I don't think it's fair that we're 21 and the rest of the world is 18, I kind of like the older age, you know, um, I'm also not a, I'm not a drinker, so I, <laughs> I wasn't always like trying to fight to, to get 21 uh, to 21, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's there's that. Uh, I think it's unjust that it's not across the board. I'd like it to be equivalent because you do have that where you even have people from other countries come in and say, well, in my country, it's 18. And you're mm -hmm. like, I know, buddy. I know. What do you want me to do? Yeah, um, I get it. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence because of what I know about the brain and then, you know, about why don't we all have the same age? So 
So I don't know. I guess I'm split in my um, in my feeling about it. Understood. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It was yes. a pleasure. Barbara Mignot. Mignot. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Marlon Joseph, and this is the Modern Way to Podcast, and we'll see you next week. I'm fine.